feminism saved me. Bell Hook saved me. Audre Lorde saved me. I was reading their work when I was in college, and then I was reading their works in law school. So I came out mentored by these women, even though I don't know them personally. But when I formed my own band, I had a foundation of strong empowered Black women. And my mom is one of them as well. My mom will tell you exactly what she feel and isn't afraid to do so. And I'm thankful. That was Danielle Ponder. And this is Shiro's, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, She Rose Radio. She Rose is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss the challenges and triumphs, how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music a better space for everyone. Okay, I'm just going to come right out and say this. Danielle Ponder was destined to be a star. Not only does she possess the gift of an incredible voice and write songs that strike your heart like lightning, her story and her ability to embody the compassion, strength, and perseverance that she's cultivated over decades of hard work as a public defender while moonlighting as a musician is nothing short of extraordinary. Born and raised in Rochester, New York, the daughter of a pastor and the sixth of seven children, Danielle grew up in a musical family where secular music was not allowed in the house. As you'll hear her tell it, the reins finally loosened a bit in her teens, and at 16 years old, two pivotal moments happened that would chart the course of the rest of her life. Her father gifted Danielle her first guitar, and her brother was sent to prison. Writing music became a tool for healing and comfort, and her drive to become an activist took root. After years of juggling a successful career as a lawyer and her passion for music and touring, she took the leap to devote herself full-time to music and has just released her stunning debut album with the apt title, Some of Us Are Brave. Danielle Ponder may not be a name you know yet, but it's one you will certainly remember once you hear today's conversation. She is this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Danielle Ponder, welcome to Shiro's Radio. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun to have someone on the show whose name has been getting whispered in my ear as much as yours Mm. has this year. Awesome. What an amazing year this has been for you. It has been. It's really been life-changing, affirming, and just beautiful. The debut album is called Some of Us Are Brave, and I know that this title was taken from a book Mm. that, I don't know if you're aware of this, is marking its 40th anniversary this year. Yeah, I actually met with one of the editors, Barbara Smith in Albany, had lunch with her. And she asked me, what year were you born? I said, 1982. She said, what month? I said, January. She said, that's when the book was released. And I'm like, so we both have this 40th year happening. So really amazing. That is an incredible story. And did you know that when you chose the title? No no? clue. 
So wow. I hope that's some good vibes out in the universe. <laughs> that's some alignment right there. Yeah. So the book is called All of the Women Are White, All the Blacks Are Men, But Some of Us Are Brave, mm-hmm. Black Women's Studies. It's like a collection of Black feminist scholars, essays. What made you choose that as the title of this album? First of all, when I first saw the title, I thought it was one of the most powerful titles I've ever seen because in just a few words, she encapsulated not only what I know to be true, but the feeling I've had as a Black woman who's been an activist, that in the feminist world, when we talk about feminism, we often ignore issues that uniquely affect Black women. And then in the activist world, the Black activist world, we often can once again, ignore issues that uniquely affect Black women. So she was one of the first people that I saw address intersectionality. And it just blew me away. That title I just thought was just poetic. So that title's been with me for a long time. And I started writing this song that I thought was going to be dedicated to Audre Lorde and I was like, I'll use that title for this song. Some of us are brave. But the song became more like a universal anthem for black women. And then I thought about the bravery in my life that has led me to leave my job, that has led me to pursue this music thing full time. And after the song was created, I was like, you know, I think that's it. That's the title. Where did you first encounter the book? In law school, I was working on a project in my human rights course on the fight for welfare rights, and that book was recommended, and I just fell in love with it. There's a chapter in the book called Creative Survival, which I think might be the title of my second album. So (laughs) it's just a powerful collection of work. Before we get into the story, which at this point I know that you've been telling quite a bit this year, Mm -hmm. um, but it's an amazing story. Why don't we hear a little bit of the title track? This is Some of Us Are Brave. Daniel Ponder here with us on Shiro's Radio. I said the darker the berry, the sweeter the fruit, the kinkier the hair, the deeper the roots. Bow down when the queendom comes. Take note when we speak our tongues. Track one of the debut from Danielle Ponder. She's our guest today on Shiro's Radio, and Some of Us Are Brave is the name of the new album. We were talking about the book from which that title comes from, and you were telling us about where you first encountered it, which was in law school. So those of us who don't know Danielle Ponder's story, you came from being a public defender and part-time musician to ditching your job and going Full on into pursuing your art. Yes, I did. Best choice I've ever made, honestly. Tell us a little bit about your trajectory. Did music or activism, either one of those things, take root when you were a kid? 
You know what? Yeah, both things. And I've traced it back to when I was 16, because that was the year that my brother was sentenced to 20 years to life. It was also the year I got my first guitar. And I reflected on that a few years ago. And I was like, that's really interesting because those two things became very big pieces of my life. Activism, working on criminal justice reform and being a songwriter. So for most of my adult life, I was an activist, but I also was a songwriter, a musician. And the music was just a hobby to me. It was nothing I ever thought I would be doing full time. And later on in my life, it just became clear that this was my purpose. Now, it took me a while to follow that message, (laughs) you know, because of fear, because of the fear of like financial insecurity. But eventually I took that leap. But I would say definitely the experience of my brother being incarcerated and having this guitar at that age really created the path that I'm on now. You talk about that in depth and listeners, please go watch the TEDx talk that Daniel Ponder did. It is so powerful. I was literally in tears. Mm. Um, One thing that I'd love to hear more about is how you got into songwriting and your musical roots, because Mm. as I understand it, You grew up in a household where you weren't exposed to secular music. Yeah. I mean, we only listened to gospel. My dad was very strict. It's funny because I was telling my brother this. He was on the road with us these past three days. He was the rebel in our family. So he would Mm. sneak in like KRS-One tapes, you know, Mob Deep. Like he would sneak in these hip hop tapes. And it was just like. Christmas when he brought one because we would listen to it and had the curse words in it. But y'all, literally, my dad would burn these tapes just to show how evil this music was. I did not really learn about other styles of music. I mean, of course, I would hear things on the radio when I was out. But until my dad started to calm down, and that was around my later teen years, because I think he just got tired. You got seven kids. There's only so long you're going to police before you give up. So at that point, I just wanted to learn about everything. I wanted to listen to every genre of music that had been hidden to me. And I think that's where I get just like this palette of mixtures of genres from alternative music to blues to hip hop, to soul, because I was so eager to deep dive and hear other things. And interesting, your first instrument would be guitar. Did you have any other exposure to other instruments before that or? I did. We had a piano in my house when I was growing up. I would say like our house was pretty musical, even though we were only, you know, singing and listening to gospel. But my dad plays piano. He plays guitar. He plays harmonica. He was always singing. So we grew up in like a really musical household. Take us to that moment where you got your guitar and did your dad teach you? Yeah, my dad taught me some things on guitar. But what I remember mostly is I was 16 years old. I was growing up in the hood. I was being bullied. And I can see myself sitting in my room with that guitar. And I got picked on actually for playing guitar because it was like, why are you carrying around this guitar like an old man? You know, this was before NDRE. There was no young black girls (laughs) around playing guitar. But that guitar became my comforter. It really offered me a refuge from everything that was happening outside of those doors. 
I'm so thankful that my dad gave me that instrument. I don't think he even knew at that time how much I needed something. And music and the ability to write lyrics, to sing songs became a way that I heal my pain. And it still is. And that continued throughout your career, even though you decided to pursue law, like you were doing music on the weekends, you're mm-hmm. even touring. I mean, that's amazing. I know. I can't believe it. Most people it. don't do that. <laughs> when I look <laughs> back, know? I'm like, how in the world did I do that? How did I go to Europe and tour? And then I'd be back in court on Monday and, you know, going to, go to rehearsal after court. Being a public defender alone is a lot. So I'm not sure how I did both other than I'm very much a workaholic and I have to be busy all the time. So, (laughs) and I don't have any kids. Some of my colleagues are public defenders with three kids and I don't get that either. So, you know, it kind of- That helps. Yeah. I was able to really focus when I got home. Yeah. So did you pursue getting a band together right away? Like, I want to understand how this evolved. And I'm thinking that it evolved over some time. It did. You know, I actually was in my family band with my cousins around the age of 18. So about 18 to 26, I was in this family band. And then I went to law school. Everyone was upset. I mean, even my mom. It was as if I, you know, was on drugs or something. Everyone was like, I can't believe Danielle's leaving the band and going to law school. It was like really a painful thing for my family because everyone believed this band was going to be the next big thing. And maybe we were, we'll never know. But (laughs) I left and went to law school. My biggest issue was the financial piece. My dad was an entrepreneur. So I watched him some weeks have money, the next week have no money. And I just felt like I couldn't do a career that did not provide a stable income. You know, I knew I wasn't going to work at a firm or be this big, you know, six figure lawyer. I always knew I was going to do what I was passionate about, but it had to come with a check, right? (laughs) So the lawyer thing came with the check. In law school, I realized how much I loved music. It's like when you with a boyfriend and you break up with him and you go with somebody else and then you realize, why did I leave Jim for so-and-so, right? (laughs) I realized like, God, music is what I actually should be doing. But then I felt like, well, I need to finish. I need to practice. So I graduated. I practiced. I loved my job as a public defender. 2008, I decided I'm going to form a band so I can do my own personal music again. So I formed a band then. The music was a lot different than what it is now, but I've just been kind of trying to find my way musically. And I think on this album, I finally did it. It sounds like you really had to figure a lot of stuff out on your own, Mm -hmm. especially since you weren't working in an environment where you were surrounded by other creatives and other musicians. Did you have any experiences during that time where you felt like there was an additional layer of difficulty in doing this, pursuing your art because of being a woman? You know what? I definitely think that I've had microaggressions as a woman doing music. I've had men completely ignore me and go to the guitar player to give him the check. I've had people say sexist things to me as a woman. But I have 
this rebellious spirit in me where I'm going to tell you when you did wrong and I'm going to make sure that I'm heard. And I don't know if that's because I'm an attorney and as an attorney, you have to walk in that courtroom and you have to be heard. It doesn't matter if the DA is a 60 year old man and the judge is a 60 year old man. So I definitely walked into this thing with some authority. I don't know why. Once again, maybe it's the attorney thing, but I felt I am using all of my energy, all of my money to make this band happen. And I am going to be respected. So, you know, I've had to correct people. I had to correct a drummer who wasn't playing the song right. And he said to me, listen, sweetheart, I see you getting emotional. And I was like, no, no, back up. I'm your boss. (laughs) Not sweetheart. I'm your boss. And I'm critiquing something that you're doing wrong. So it has been moments like that. But I rise to the challenge. I rise to it. Like, If you're going to downplay my contributions or think you're not going to see me because I am a woman, it just makes me want to show up more with authority and with confidence. So I've never felt that anyone's been able to make me feel smaller. It sounds like you have all of the groundwork laid and especially that knowledge of intersectional feminism that was there from your college years. It's like you already came in so prepared. I mean, feminism saved me. Bell Hook saved me. Audre Lorde saved me. So I was reading their work when I was in college and then I was reading their works in law school. So I came out mentored by these women, even though I don't know them personally. But when I formed my own band, I had a foundation of strong, empowered Black women. And my mom is one of them as well. My mom will tell you exactly what she feels. And the truth is, if she heard this, she'll probably say I got it more from her than Audre Lorde. <laughs> but <laughs> she'll tell you exactly how she feels and isn't afraid to do so. And I'm thankful for that. Danielle Ponder is our guest today on She Rose Radio. The new album, her debut, is called Some of Us Are Brave. Why don't you pick the next track? Where should we go next? Oh, I think we can go to So Long. So Long was a song I wrote when I went to L.A. And now this was a different world for me. People who were Grammy-nominated producers who would work with big artists. And I was wondering if I was good enough. And like most of my songs, they provide me with what I need to survive whatever moment I'm going through. And so long was that for me. Ponders here with us on She Rose Radio. The debut is called Some of Us Are Brave, and that was track two called So Long. I'm so glad that I've seen some comparisons to Portishead Mm. uh, in some of the press that I've been reading about you, and that it's not just all Aretha Franklin and Nina Simone, as amazing as they are. I was curious to find out from you what that experience has been like thus far reading about yourself and getting covered by the press, doing what we're here doing today, getting interviewed. What has that experience been like so far? I mean, I think it's amazing that so many people care enough to want to interview me. But I'll say that I feel like in my hometown, I've received so much support. 
I have been interviewed by so many journalists in my hometown. And I like to think my hometown has prepared me for this moment. I mean, our shows have been selling out for over five years in my hometown. I have like the best community in Rochester, New York. I've been performing for about 20 years. And although I haven't had a global name or a national name, my hometown has just been amazing and laid the foundation for me. That must also be kind of a funny cognitive dissonance thing happening right now because it's like you've been at this for 20 years and yeah. yet you're new. Yes. You're all new. <laughs> and there's definitely a lot of new moments happening. Right. Selling out shows outside of my hometown has never happened until this year. We sold out Salt Lake City. We sold out New York City. And those moments, I'm just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> you know? So I was in Tennessee and a woman came up to me, are you Danielle Ponder? And those type of things are still shocking me. So I'm definitely having a lot of first and I'm trying to stay present and not let them just go by because these are moments I prayed for and they're happening. And to come full circle back to the beginning of this conversation, it is sadly, and hopefully you're going to help change this, not that common for somebody at 40 to mm. be having all of these firsts, especially yeah. for a woman. Yeah. Um, we, unfortunately, as women are still up against ageism in a mega big way. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to work against the internalized ageism as well, because I think you hit 40 and then there's all these things you're supposed to believe about your body, right. about your look. Right. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, well, I feel the same way I felt at 39, to be honest. <laughs> but now I'm supposed to have this heavy feeling of being old and I'm trying to work on that. Because I've seen myself saying, oh, you know, I'm 40, so I can't, ooh, I'm 40. And I want to be more in tune with how I feel and less this really arbitrary number. Obviously, there are things that come with age, but I feel good. And I don't want that to be taken away just because someone has determined I'm geriatric. <laughs> It's interesting because when I first was talking to record labels, no one asked me my age. No one has really asked me anything about being 40 or right. showed any concern because I am 40. You know what I mean? Mm. And if they do have concerns, I'm not hearing it. People are connecting to the music. And I think what 40 is allowing me to do is to write songs from a perspective of someone with some real lived experiences. Only the Lonely is a song that I wrote about being in a relationship for a long time and it's not the right relationship and you feel afraid to leave because you've gotten older. That's not something a 19 year old can write, you know, and people are relating to that. And I feel like I'm writing these stories with 40 years of experience that are cautionary tales for 19-year-olds, but that are also very relatable for 40-year-olds. So I'm seeing just everyone is coming to our shows. Everyone. I mean, at SOBs, there was like a woman in her 70s with her husband. There was a young kid who looked like he was like 19. Everyone is coming to our shows because we're talking about the human experience. And being 40 
has allowed me to reflect on the human experience in a very authentic and mature way. And so I I do see how valuable it is to be this age writing this music. There's a truth in the dark It's gonna break you down So steal your heart You don't love me, you just slowly That's what my man say Your daddy left you guilty That's what you don't see And I give up trying Cause I'm feeling worlds apart Danielle Ponder is with us on Shiro's Radio. The title of her debut is Some of Us Are Brave. And I was thinking when I was watching your TEDx talk, if you could be really referring to yourself, your bravery. It is not an easy thing to leave a job mm. and pursue something creative, especially. Sounds like you gave it a lot of thought to not do that at first. Mm -hmm. What was the turning point for you? Was there a moment that you thought like, it's now or never, I got to do this and to hell with the consequences? You know, I actually quit twice. So I quit in 2018 the first time. And that was just because our shows were packed. We were getting more bookings. We were going overseas and I was getting moved to felonies. And I just was like, there's no way I can take on the felony world and do the music like I want to do it. Right. So I had to make the choice then. So long story short, I left pandemic hit. I went back. Now, the second time I left was a little easier because I had already signed a record deal. I was still working when I wrote this album, when I, I was flying out to L.A., And coming back and running a law school internship program, like all of this was happening while I was working. So the second time was much easier because there was a team that started to build around me. After 2018, I knew I'm going to do music full time, even if I'm just in Europe playing in small clubs. But in 2021, I had management. I had a record label. I had a publicist. I had all of these things set up. So it did make it much easier to leave. How did you find your team? Oh my God, it's so random. My current manager heard me on a playlist. He sent me an email and said, can I get in touch with Danielle Ponder's team? At that point, I don't even use that language. So I'm like, what? (laughs) So I email him back and he asked me to send him music I've been working on. I was so afraid. Now, Now here's where being a woman for me, where I've had some struggle. And that's been in production for being a producer, because most of the producers I've worked with have been men and I've showed them my music that I've produced and I've heard, oh, yeah, it was cool, but you need to fix this. You need to fix that. And I just assumed I wasn't good at producing. And I've also worked with my co-writer, Avis Reese. This is a woman led band here. And we both didn't have the confidence to feel like we were actually producers. Now I send this music me and Avis worked on to Chris Doritas, who's heard everyone, interviewed everyone, legendary DJ in KCRW, and he's blown away by the music. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) You mean I am a producer? 
as well. And you know what's so funny about it? Another person who was in my band said to me one day, this is after the album is out. He said, you know what, Danielle, one day you'll be able to call yourself a producer. And I'm thinking, I produced the album <laughs> that you're playing. <laughs> what? So, right. Okay, girl. So... Wait, so wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So wait, how do you, in that moment, what do you do? Like In that moment, did, I'm did losing my something? mind. You know, I said, yeah. I said, I produced these songs. So I'm calling myself a producer now. So that's where I've had some struggle with being a woman who is doing something that I haven't seen a lot of women in my hometown do and having the authority to say, I am a producer. Because it feels like if you say it, you better be good, you know? And honey, these men calling themselves producers because they can hit two beats on a keyboard, okay? <laughs> and I'm afraid to call myself a producer and I'm producing a whole album, you know? So I just had to accept that. And the same thing with my keyboard is Avis. You know, we both struggled with this imposter syndrome. She is one mm -hmm. of the best pianists out there. And we both just making things, but very afraid to use that word producer. And so I put it in my bio a few months ago because I wanted yes. to claim that thing. <laughs> Well, since we're talking about production and talking about this record, which you produced, how about you choose a track that you feel proud of from the production standpoint? Oh, wow. I'm definitely going to go with Frey because Avis and I sat in a room in Chicago and wrote this song together. And she brought such beautiful strings to this and her chord selection in this song was just amazing. I think this song is really like a culmination of the delicacy that she has and like the darker hip hop vibe that I have. And I'm just proud that two black girls from Rochester, New York, who thought they weren't going to be producers, produced a song that the Rolling Stones called hip hop operatic. <laughs> so... <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, that feels good. <laughs> How did you and Avis meet? It's so funny because I had another keyboardist and there's a song by Stevie Wonder we were covering and he wasn't going to the right chord. And I was telling him that's not the right chord. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, no, that's not the right chord. So I let him go. I brought in Avis. She played that song and she went to the right chord. And from then on, I was like, all right, she's the one. <laughs> and that was 10 years ago. And we've been working together ever since. But how did you find her? Our drummer brought her, she was playing in church. When I told him like that other keyboardist isn't going to work, he brought in Avis. And it was really just a, a different dynamic that I'd never experienced. One, having a woman in your band and being able to have a friendship. And there just was no like, we weren't like testing each other, eagles or pride. It was just so pure and just wanting to learn and grow with each other. And that's what we've done. I mean, we learned logic at the same time. And it just was the first time I had this relationship with a musician that didn't feel like they were trying to teach me everything or that they, you know, knew more than me or would roll their eyes. It just was a really pure friendship and partnership. 
And, you know, so much of this that I've done, I couldn't have done without having her. Do you think that any of that has to do with gender? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, me and Avis would sit there and drink glasses of wine and say, I don't feel good enough. Yeah, I don't feel good enough either. (laughs) But we still write these songs and try to figure it out. And there was this vulnerability that we had together that you don't often get with male musicians. And I think it allowed us to create really beautiful music. We weren't trying to prove anything to each other. We were just doing what came from our heart because that's all we knew. We didn't have the technical things in the brain. All we had was our emotions. And I mean that because I think that's how music should be, is that we were really writing what we were feeling and just didn't think these songs may not even see the light of day, but this is what we felt. And now these songs are everywhere. Is anybody out there listening? Anybody out there feel my pain? Cause I live on the edge of existence. I live Music has the ability to open up the human heart in ways nothing else can. It creates a tenderness in our heart. And Lord knows we need that, (laughs) you know? And when we are all listening to the same song or we're in a concert, we forget all of those things that divide us. And I think we are open to hear people's experiences and their stories. What's been so heavy on my mind lately is trans folks and how their existence has just been treated as something so political. When it is people saying, I wanna survive, I wanna live, and let me tell you what I need to do so. And I can't believe that could be controversial, but I think that through my music, through my art, I hope to soften people's hearts so that when someone says, I wanna live, I wanna thrive, people say, what do you need from me? period. Danielle Ponder, thank you. You are indeed a Shiro. I can't wait to see what happens next. Thanks for being with us on Shiro's. Thank you so much. Many thanks once again to Danielle Ponder for being with us. The debut album, Some of Us Are Brave, is available now on Future Classic Records. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. We get production assistance from Emma Philippos. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at Shiro's Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us grow and bring you more Shiro's. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening.